Welcome to Behind the Mic, Conversations of Hope. I am your host, Mike Stone. Well, today's guest experienced sexual abuse, neglect, and domestic violence during the first half of his childhood. He traveled a horrific journey through the foster care system until he was adopted at age nine. After healing from his traumatic past, Trent, who is now 21, has devoted his life to helping others overcome past trauma by providing hope. This heroic young man has also answered an early call to use his past experiences to positively impact others. Trent, who could have easily become another statistic, became a published author after co-authoring his autobiography about his time in foster care. Since that time, he has donated the proceeds of his book back to charity. In addition, he recently released his second book titled Battling the Invisible Enemy, which was written for teens who have experienced trauma. Trent is also involved in foster care reform at the national level, and he hopes to positively impact the trajectory of the foster care system for the children and teens in care. He's currently pursuing his degree in clinical counseling, and he plans to become a trauma consultant. But he's already studied trauma extensively through his college work, outside training, and the Orphans and Vulnerable Children Essentials course through the Christian Alliance for Orphans. He's also become very familiar with trust-based relational intervention principles through Empowered to Connect trainings, in addition to shadowing his mom, who is a TBRI practitioner. Trent also serves as the co-founder and the CEO for Watch Me Rise, which is a ministry devoted to working on behalf of children who have experienced trauma like he once did. So sit back and listen to Trent's story and be encouraged that no matter what you're going through, God is there in your midst and he's got a plan. So today I have with me Trent Taylor. Uh, Trent, we met probably, man, I don't know, two, three years ago, four years ago. I don't know when it was. Yeah. It was at an adoption conference. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I, I sat in a breakout session with you and your mother. And I was intrigued by the topic and how it fit in with what I was there for. Um, but, man, you guys just, it, it blew me away because of what your story is alone was was amazing. So, you know, I'll, I'll just start from the beginning, you know. So, honestly, every time I think about, you know, when I came into the world, the, the main thing that keeps coming to mind is the fact that, you know, I was born into a family filled with extreme dysfunction. There was so much pain, both physically and emotionally, and it, it truly is difficult to describe everything that I experienced. But during the first four years of my life, I experienced domestic violence, extreme neglect, and sexual abuse. And then at the age of four, my siblings and I were removed from my biological parents and placed into foster care. And when I entered foster care, I thought, okay, things might be getting a little bit better. And actually at first, I wasn't aware that it was foster care because I was in a kinship placement with my biological grandparents at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought maybe, you know, some of the pain will start easing up. But unfortunately, just because I entered foster care, it doesn't mean that the pain stopped because my older brother, who was also my sex abuser, remained with me and my younger brother through most of our homes. So mm-hmm. I can recall so many nights just 
praying, calling out to God for just some sort of peace to just deliver me from this pain and for it just all to just, you know, to kind of just go away. So I wanted the pain to, to stop and to be in a place where I felt loved, in a place where I could feel like I could call it my own. I wanted a family to just love me and keep me safe. But unfortunately, it took five years to get to that place. So for five years, I continued to bounce around from foster home to foster home, from school to school, while the abuse at the hands of my older brother continued. And I can tell you one thing is that I, I can remember so vividly just simply crying myself to sleep at night, just calling out for help. You know, and it seemed like there wasn't any hope. But at a match event that I was at, I was given a dog tag with Jeremiah twenty nine eleven engraved on the front. And seeing that verse for the first time and reading that verse, that is what gave me hope. And that is what got me through my time in foster care. You know, just knowing that God had a plan for my life and that God you know, was going to give me that hope. It was just on His timing. And then that allowed me to dig deep and find some sort of patience to help keep me going through my time in foster care. And then around the age of eight, my younger brother and I were placed in my adoptive home. And I would love to say that just because I entered uh, an adoptive placement that everything was going to be wonderful, everything, like the pain was just gone that the trust was there, the love was there, you know, mm. and it was on my parents' side, you know, they gave me that love, they showed me that I could trust them, but for many years, I didn't trust them, I couldn't trust them, because I had been hurt by so many people in my life before them, that it was practically impossible for me to trust anybody or open up to anybody, but through their persistent love and always pointing me back to the healing found in Christ, I slowly started to, you know, bring my walls down and was able to open up and share all the pain that I had gone through. And, you know, over many, many years, I was able to come to dramatic levels of healing because I was able to find healing in Christ and from the love and support of my adoptive family and their understanding of trauma and how it affects, you know, those who have experienced it. And as a result, in going through that healing journey, I realized that what the devil meant for evil, God can use for good and for his glory. So I was like, well, if God can use this for his glory, then who am I to stand in his way? So that's mm -hmm. what really yeah. fueled my passion to help make a change and help others overcome their past trauma or, you know, their past struggles or whatever it may be. And that's what I've dedicated my life to. So right now I am in college, uh, finishing up my bachelor's degree in family and human development. And after that, I plan to dive fully into my ministry called Watch Me Rise and give back to families and give back to children and continue public speaking and mentoring and just giving them the same hope and healing that I've been able to find while pointing them back to the ultimate healing found in Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah. I, I uh, actually forgot some of that story. And <clears throat> the thing is, uh, that's really what our podcast is all about is stories, sharing stories like yours, people that are brave enough to say, man, this is what I've gone through. Some of the stuff 
we don't want to talk about. But for you, especially the things that you dealt with, um, having having you come forward and share this, how many lives have you already touched? I mean, I know in that room that day, there were a lot of people that were just glued to your story and uh, impacted greatly. I actually didn't meet you that day because there were so many people lined up to talk to you and your mom. Uh, I had to move on, but um, it was it was just so intriguing that, that this young guy, you're now, how old are you now? I'm 21 years old. 21, 21 years old. You're just now legal age, <laughs> and you've gone through more than most people will ever go through, and here you are, um, you know, giving glory to God for bringing you through that and sharing about it. So, uh, man, I, I'm so proud of you and uh, happy for people like you that that are willing to share the hard stuff. Thank you. So um, let's let's talk about your story. Mm-hmm. Um, you said it. So you yeah you you had like eight nine years of not even knowing what trust was. Yes. So to be placed in an adoptive family, I mean, like you said, your parents were like, okay, this is going to be a great thing. But man, for you and your brother, you had no idea what trust was. You had no idea what a functional family was. You had no idea what love was. Um, so can you share some of what you went through in those first eight or nine years? Yeah. So, I mean, the, I mean, if I had to describe, you know, the theme of my life, it would have been fear. Fear was, you know, my whole existence, the unknown, the uncertainty. I had no idea, you know, where my next meal was coming from, where my next bed was going to be because I had moved so often. I didn't know if I was staying with you know in this home tonight or if i was going to get moved because there have been some times where it would literally be like one or two o'clock in the morning and we'd have to pack our stuff and go you know so it just for both my brother and i we just had to shield ourselves and build this protective emotional wall because if we didn't you know it opened us up for you know, to be vulnerable and to, you know, risk being hurt. And we've been hurt so much that we just couldn't risk it again. So for so long, for the first, you know, eight or nine years of my life, you know, before, you know, being adopted, I just, I couldn't trust anybody. I couldn't let anybody in because when I did, you know, I was hurt in ways that, you know, are still with me to this day, you know. So it just was pretty much impossible to open up and trust yeah and i can't imagine um i mean i watched my two kids be raised they knew they had unconditional love every night we tucked them in prayed with them they knew when they were hurt whether it was physical or emotional they know knew where to go to you didn't have that no and and the the thing is uh, aside from the sexual abuse you were also introduced to pornography at a very young age yes can you talk about that and what, how that affected you? I think most people feel like, you know, pornography really doesn't affect anybody. It doesn't hurt anyone. So what's so wrong with it? Yeah. Um, and I think you experienced that in real life. Yes, for definitely. You know, to those who think that pornography is harmless and that it doesn't do any damage, I can tell you that it is not true. You know, I am a walking testimony to prove otherwise so my biological uncle, who was my main sexual abuser at the time, uh, introduced me to pornography at the age of two. So from age mm-hmm. two, I had all these images of pornography 
in my head. I had absolutely no idea what it even was. I had no idea what I was looking at. And, you know, that, that stayed with me for many, 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 many years, you know. And it was a struggle. It certainly was. And when I got old enough to have access to technology, you know, because of what I had been shown, that carried on to how I used technology, you know, many years later. And through the help and guidance of my parents, they actually, they caught me on my grandma's computer, you know, looking at stuff I shouldn't have been, you know, and I told them, like, I didn't know it was wrong. I was shown this at two years old. No one ever told me otherwise. So, you know, instead of like pummeling me with judgment and making me feel shameful, they came alongside me and said, okay, well, let us teach you why this is not okay. Let us show you, yeah. you know, why this is not appropriate. And that approach really helped change my perspective on pornography. It showed me that, you know, what I was viewing was not biblical. It was not appropriate, you know, and that, you know, this is not the way God has designed sex to be, not even close. So once I learned that from a place of genuine love and just concern that they had for me in my life, you know, I was able to, you know, just slowly start to, you know, work against it. It wasn't easy. There were numerous times on my journey to fight against pornography that I would fall back into it. I would stumble. I would, you know, sneak and look up things I shouldn't have, you know, but with enough consistency and over numerous years, I was able to finally break free from that, you know. And even now, as a 21-year-old man, I still ask my parents to set restrictions on my phone. Not because, you know, I still fall to temptation, because thankfully I haven't, I haven't fallen into temptation for many, many, many years, thankfully. But I've always been the kind of person where the best way to get out of a situation is to avoid it altogether. So I'm not gonna, right. like, I don't wanna open the door for Satan to, you know, throw that temptation at me. So, and honestly, even though I had viewed that stuff, you know, 10 or more years ago, it still sticks with me every once in a while. Every once in a while, I feel like Satan just throws those past memories back at me, you know, and the way I usually describe it is that, you know, pornography, it literally it's like an iron on your brain it sears those images into your brain mm. and it is almost yeah. impossible to get rid of it you know there you will have times where you know you might forget about it you know or that you may not remember but every once in a while those images and those things surface and you know and research science has shown that pornography is as addictive as heroin and cocaine and it does the same it changes the brain in the same ways as drugs. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly, exactly right. right. That's, that's one of the things, things that I had not really understood until the day you guys shared that. Um, and, and I'll put a, a link in the show notes, several links in the show notes. But uh, one of those is your brain on porn. Um, lots of statistics about this. This is, this is scientifically proven. Uh, it rewires your brain. Um, and, and I think, I think the, the hard part, part about this is that God, God, God has wired us to desire sex with our spouse. And it's a good thing. And I think that the world, like everything that God has given, God has, God has given us those good things, but the world has perverted that and twisted that. Twisted mm -hmm. that. 
and I think that it's it's so uh, it's so addictive because it's a part of our nature. Mm-hmm. And what happens is uh, by viewing all of that, you start to get this uh, you get this desire that is not natural. And pretty soon you start as you watch pornography, um, as you go through the things that go along with pornography, you start finding fulfillment in those images and not in a person. So it kind of distances you from from reality, uh, which again is is your your brain on porn. It rewires everything, um, and it does. I, I like the the image of the iron searing your brain because that's exactly what happens. Um, back in my day. You had to find a magazine. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, there was, there was always, always the guy, the guy in, in class that found a pornographic magazine somewhere. And so, you know, the guys would go over to their house and it didn't happen a lot. That's the other thing is it didn't happen a lot. But when that happened, that's how we viewed that. Um, again, it's a natural curiosity at that age. But now everybody walks around with access to pornography right in their pocket. That's the real danger right now is that it's so accessible and it's such a secret sin that nobody wants to talk about it. The church is not talking about it. How did that affect you? Two years old, how did that affect you moving forward in your life? Because now you're dealing with the sexual abuse and the, and the, the, the severe neglect. So you're dealing with all these things, no trust in your life, no real love in your life, and now you've got this pornography issue on top of it that is, for a two-year-old, doesn't seem like it should affect you at all, but it did. Mm-hmm. It most certainly did. I mean, I, I was just left so confused and just like not even understanding what I had just saw, what I had just seen or, you know, what was even going on. So it just caused a lot of confusion for me. And it just, it taught me that that's what happens when you get older, that, that that's just the way it is. Because before that, nobody had ever taught me otherwise. No one wanted to tell talk to me about what sex was what how god has designed it how god has designed us to treat women and you know so it kind of just like altered my whole perspective on everything in that nature and i just was just left confused and kind of in a sense traumatized from that because you know as a two-year-old you have no idea what that is you know it's just you're left kind of just in a sense like freaked out and just left Mm -hmm. wondering what was that you know one of the worst things you can do is to allow sin to have a foothold in your life in this digital age it is easier than ever to give in to that temptation Pornography is destroying marriages, families, and relationships. Well, Covenant Eyes offers two apps that give you one simple path to victory. First, the Covenant Eyes sensor app operates in the background of your devices, monitoring them for concerning activity and blocking explicit content. Second, the Victory app provides your ally with the most up-to-date information about your online activity. If explicit activity is detected, an alert will pop up encouraging them to contact you. The Victory app is also full of resources and courses to help you grow in your battle against lust. Covenant Eyes gives you the tools you need to make the right decisions when you are tempted online. You know, Covenant Eyes has helped 1.5 million people find freedom from porn, and maybe it can help you too. Just go to CovenantEyes.com and use my promo code behind the mic. That's M-I-K-E at checkout. And try it free for 30 days. 
a part of your story is adoption, which uh, has I have a long history of adoption. My daughter was adopted from China. Um, it's a beautiful thing. It's not always an easy thing. Um, your situation wasn't easy because clearly you had a lot of baggage, for lack of a better term, uh, that you brought into this adoption. Let's talk a little bit about that and how your parents really helped you through that. Yeah. So, you know, by the time I came to, you know, my adoptive parents, I was, <laughs> I carried with me trust issues, lack of a, lack of the ability to not be able to attach. You know, I had, you know, pain from sexual abuse, pain from neglect, pain from experiencing domestic violence between my biological parents, the tremendous pain from pornography exposure. I had so many different traumas that had, you know, accumulated over most of my life leading up to that point that I, you know, brought into with me into my adoption. And, you know, at first I kind of just tried to keep things to myself. I tried to, you know, get a, a gauge as to, you know, are these people really going to stick it out? You know, are they really going to be here for me? So in order to test that, what I slowly started doing was I would, you know, drop little things about my past. Like I'd be like, oh, I was sexually abused. And then just carry on the conversation like I had not just said that just to see yeah. how they were going to react. Right. You know, and I can remember that, you know, at first they weren't really sure like what, like, what did he just say? You know, it's like they didn't really understand what I was saying because I said it so fast and just carried on the conversation we were having previously but they never once judged me they never once made me feel shameful or like anything was ever my fault and actually they always tried to work in the opposite way they would always tell me that you know there is nothing you can say nothing that you can do that will make us love you any less or view you any differently you are our son and we love you and we will always be here for you now I wish I could say that you know, them saying that once or twice was enough for me to get it, but it wasn't. It took many years and thousands and thousands of times of them saying it and showing it through their actions that really allowed me to trust what they were saying is true, that they were really going to stand by yeah. me no matter what. So as I started you know, telling them about my pornography exposure, my sexual abuse, the neglect I experienced and everything like that, they walked my healing journey by my side. And that was the biggest thing. It wasn't me against my past. It was me, my family against my past with God, you know, leading our army and, and lead, protecting us during that healing journey. And honestly, that is what allowed me to heal. And that is what has gotten me to the place I am today is they're just their constant love. They're never wavering and their support for me and never once making me feel like it was my fault or like I did something wrong. That was so critical in that shift in your life because again, you didn't have any any of those things that we as growing, growing into that whole adoption process, you had none of the normal stuff to, to build on. You needed a new foundation, everything. Uh, so how important was that, that your, that your parents understood that and walked with you through that journey of, of understanding what family really was and what love was, what trust was. Um, and you've made great strides. Uh, you know, you, you spoke so well down at the, uh, the event that we were at. And I was just, again, everything that was said, everything I saw was just uh, truly amazing. And it was, it was God's work in your life um, with tons of help from your parents, um, just doing the right things and persevering, uh, you know, just the, just the attachment issue 
um, had to have been a difficult thing for a parent. Mm -hmm. um, I would imagine. Yeah. So for me, when I first met them at that match event, it was like this, almost like this supernatural connection that we had for some reason. Like, cause I kind of understand, I, at that point I was able to understand more that this was for adoption purposes and things like that. And then we were here to meet people who might want to become our mom and dad. That's what we were told. So when I first met my adoptive parents, there was just something different about them the way they interacted with us and the way they genuinely showed that they were interested in my brother and I you know I remember you know after spending the whole day with them you know on the way back to my foster placement just chanting in the car you know these people are different these people are going to adopt us you know we're finally going to have a home you know and after a while I, you know a long period had gone by and then our social worker brought us into the DSS office showed us their video you know that, that my parents had made for you know to show the children and mm. again after i saw that i i just continued to like chant out loud in my mind that these people were going to adopt us we finally found our parents and in a few months later that came true you know we got to move in with my adoptive we got to move in with our adoptive parents and, you know, it, reality was starting to set in like, wow, these people really are going to adopt us. But unfortunately, in our situation, it took a year to finalize the adoption. And as far as I know, I think we still have the longest termination of parental rights uh, here in North Carolina. It took roughly 11 days when it's supposed to only take a few hours to do so. So, you know, between everything else that I had gone through and then I have people that I have like given my heart to, I've opened up, I considered them my mom and dad because they were. Yeah. And then I had to face more fear, more uncertainty, and just f faced again with the potential, you know, loss of being ripped away from someone that I actually was able to open myself up to. You know, and so many people, you know, that I've talked to go into this thinking that, oh, if we just give them enough love, that'll be enough. What it yeah. takes to really connect with a child is understanding that it's not going to be easy. They're not going to attach to you immediately just because you give them a bed to sleep on and some food to eat, that doesn't mean that they're going to consider you mom and dad because they've had that before and they've also had that taken away. You got to be right. persistent with it. You got to be patient with your child, with yourself, and just trust that in God's timing, things will get better. But the biggest thing is being able to attach to your child. You have to be able to connect to them before they can ever open themselves up or really ever understand what you're wanting you know, from them. So like if your child is struggling with pornography and you don't have that attachment or if you don't have that connection with your child, they're not going to listen to what you have to say. But if you make that connection and you make that attachment with your child, 
their trust starts to open up, their walls start mm-hmm. to come down, That's and right. then you can start helping them work through their struggles. Yeah. That's so good. We, uh, you also talked about, uh, and you kind of mentioned it here in a way, is triggers. Mm-hmm. You had triggers along the way, um, uh, the stuff with pornography, the stuff with even your diet. Uh, I remember you talking about, talk about triggers and how you still deal with those today. Yeah. So a simple way to define what a trigger is, is any of the five senses that you associate with a painful experience. So for me, it was Hot Pockets and Pop-Tarts because for so long, that's pretty much all I ate in foster care. Mm. And therefore, that became a trigger and I no longer desired that food or, you know, the smell of cigarettes because my biological father was a chain smoker. So the smell of cigarettes became a trigger. And, you know, when I, because at first I didn't really understand why those things were bothering me. All I knew was that it was bothering me. So with the help of my parents, they helped me identify my triggers. And there's a term called name it to tame it. And I believe that's by Dr. Dan Siegel. And what that means is when you, when you can see a trigger, when you see something in your child's life that seems like it's a trigger, be, help them put a name to it. It's like, so for example, cigarette smoke bothered me, but I didn't really know why. So my parents were, were like a detective. They saw, okay, cigarette smokes, cigarette smoke bothers him. Let's try to find yeah. out why. And so we talked about it and I told them that my biological father was a chain smoker. And therefore I was able to name that trigger. And then I was able to overcome yeah. it over time. And the biggest thing is, is that triggers, if you can bring them into the light, if you can, you know, put words to it, you know, you can overcome them and they do start losing their power. But the biggest thing is, is that you've got to talk about it and you got to bring it into the light, you know. So, like, for example, like if you're struggling with pornography and you know that in times of heightened stress that, you know, you're more likely to fall into temptation with pornography, well, then, you know, stress can be that trigger for you. So therefore, you need to be able to identify that, wrap yourself around with loved ones and find that support system so they can help you tame that trigger. Yeah, that's so important. important. I think all of us can walk away with with, uh, uh, some some tools tools there because because we all have triggers in some way. Such good advice there. uh, You've gone through some schooling. You're you're headed towards, uh, you know, just helping people. What other things have you seen going through your schooling that you're like, wow, okay, like an aha moment or that makes sense moment? Or are there any things that you can share uh, that you've learned even recently through your schooling about what your past was? Yeah. So some for, honestly, the biggest thing for me when I started learning about trauma and how trauma affects one's brain chemistry, because it literally rewires how your brain functions. I was like, wow, this is so this is why I used to act the way I did. This is why I had those thoughts and those feelings. So it it helped me understand myself. And I think it's very important for parents to teach them one, learn about trauma themselves Two, help their child understand trauma and the effect it has on their brain, obviously at an age appropriate level for them, because if they can understand why, they can start to help move 
past it and it helps them understand themselves better and it gives them some of that power back because you you walk around feeling like you know you're you're just abnormal or you know there's something wrong with you because you have yeah. all these thoughts and you act certain ways and certain things bother you that don't really bother other people and you just can't understand why you are acting the way you do and that's because of the trauma we've been through and understanding that was just like the biggest aha moment that I could have had. Yeah, amazing. And I know that you're going to be a great counselor or whatever the, the future has for you because uh, you've lived it. You understand it better than anybody who's never been through it. Well, Trent, I know that there are people out there that are listening that are identifying very much with some of the things that we've talked about, whether it's pornography, some other addiction. Um, maybe it's parents that are considering adoption or foster care and they're going, man, I just, I've heard stories. Um, this is a really broad question, but what, what advice would you give all of those people that are dealing with stuff right now that we've talked about? What kind of advice would you give them moving forward? forward? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the advice I try to give parents who are thinking about fostering or adopting is that, you know, if you truly feel that God has called you to do this, God will equip you. You know, it's important to seek as much information and as much training as you possibly can. You know, inform yourselves on what trauma is. Inform yourselves on the importance of attachment. And another big advice is just be patient with your child, with yourself. Show yourself grace. Show your child grace. And trust me, it's not always going to be easy. Your child will push your buttons, and that's what we learn to do. As a survival mechanism, we learn how to reach people. That's we right, know right. how to get them upset if we want them to. So know that and be patient in that. And you know, if you come to a point where you're like, I can't do this anymore, I, know, I just encourage you to fall on your knees and cry out to God and just be like, God, I can't do this anymore. I need your strength. And another important thing that so many parents forget to do is find support. Because part of what Watch Me Rise does is we hold support groups for foster and adoptive parents and their children. Because, you know, so many people try to do this on their own. It's just about impossible because you feel isolated. So I encourage you yeah. to find people, find parents and other families that have gone through the adoption process, that have gone through the foster process. So that way you have someone to talk to, someone that understands you know not just for you but also for your child and that's what makes our support groups different is that we have support groups for the children as well so that way they can understand that there are other kids out there that that get it because you know for me growing up i didn't have that support system you know i didn't have you know other kids who understood mm -hmm. what i was going through and that's why i that's wanted right. to make sure that you know when i got the chance to give back that i made sure that they had a voice and make sure that they had an area where they can connect with each other and honestly it really is just a it's just so awesome to just see the light in their eyes when they just talk to each other and be like, oh, you have food issues? Well, I also had food issues, you know, when I was younger. I, mean, I struggled with a lot of the same things you're, you're struggling with. It just, it's like instant community. So the biggest things, learn about trauma, learn about attachment, keep God obviously at the center of everything you're doing. Be patient with yourself, show yourself grace, and always try your best to find a support system. You can never, ever get too much support. 
but it's good advice. And you know, if, if you're in a church already, talk with a pastor. They've got resources they can point you to locally. Um, let's talk about Watch Me Rise um, and and uh, how can people get in touch with you? What where can people learn more about Watch Me Rise? What you're doing? I'm sure that once you graduate. Um, that's going to start taking off. I know that you got to really focus on your studies right now. Tell us a little bit more specifically about what they can do to connect with you guys and watch me rise. Of course. Yeah. So if you want to learn more about watch me rise, you can go on our website. It's watchmerise919.org. And, you know, you can see all of our resources. We have books, we have Bible studies, we have, you know, support groups, we do specialized trainings, we do podcasting, we, I public speak to share hope and show how God has worked through my life. So if you want to just look on our website, you can see everything that we offer. We also offer behavioral consultations in which we will talk with the parents, the child, or both and help them work through some of their struggles and some of their issues as well. And something that I've started recently is called Fostering Faith, which is a Bible study that I do both locally and virtually, where I gather foster alumni, people who are either in foster care or were in foster care or have been adopted. And we just, twice a month, we get together on Zoom or in person and we just we go we do a Bible study together. We worship Christ together, you know. So we'll have one day out of the month where it's Bible study, another day where it's community and prayer. And I have found this to be so life changing for so many people because what is better than being able to yeah. connect with other alumni, than being able to connect with them and help one another grow in our faith and grow closer to Christ. Such good resources. I'm looking right now on on your website. Um, the public speaking. I know that you don't. You probably don't do as much of that as you'd like to right now with your schooling. But um, I I would highly suggest if you want your church to get on board, if you want your group to get on board with what Watch Me Rise is doing right now, you have contact information on here. Get in touch with um, with Trent with your mom. Um, I'm telling you, it, it will change your life. It will impact you. And um, great stuff here. Talk about pornography really quickly. Uh, you are connected with a, an organization, a company that, that I absolutely love, Covenant Eyes. You have uh, actually have a connection there as well. Um, there are not, this is not necessarily the best program for young kids. But when you get into the teen years, and on up to into adult, I, I think there's nothing better out there than Covenant Eyes because it's all about accountability. You have a special code that people can use to try it out. Can you talk us a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So yeah, I've become an affiliate with Covenant Eyes after learning about what Covenant Eyes does. And I actually had a friend who used it and told me about it. I just fell in love with the idea. I think it's just such a smart tool to have because it just, it keeps you honest and it keeps what you're doing on your phone, you know, open to those who, so, you know, who are helping you. So if you truly want to help battle pornography and if you want to break free from the chains that pornography places upon you, I would definitely encourage you to do, to sign up for Covenant Eyes and you can use the promo code watch me rise and get 30 days free to try it out. It's simple. It works on all devices. You know, I 
I'm an ally for several people through Covenant Eyes, and I have seen it do wonders in people's battles against pornography. Yeah. So CovenantEyes.com, sign up. Uh, Trent's promo code, Watch Me Rise, will get you 30 days free. You also have another great resource uh, that you've written about pornography and parents. Talk a little bit about that. Yes. So when I was roughly 17 or 18 years old, you know, I wanted to create a book that would, you know, help others fight against pornography and technology addiction. And so what I did was I wrote this book called Battling the Invisible Enemy, and you can find it on our website. It's a book that is centered in scripture and centered in the healing found in Christ, and it gives tangible tools and skills to help, you know, fight against pornography, fight against technology addiction, and fight against the pull that it has upon our lives. And, you know, I wrote it from a teenager's perspective at the time for teenagers, so it's written simply, easy to understand. And I also wrote it from a battle perspective because this is a battle. This is not easy. That's right. And so as you as you read, you'll you'll see how it takes you from like where you are now and how it gives you the tools and the resources you need to build your army, which is your support group, and give you tools and skills to help fight this. That's awesome. Well, Trent, while we wrap up here, is there anything else that we missed? Anything else we want to we touch on? Um, I know that you've got the book, you've got the website, you've got tons of resources there. You've got Covenant Eyes that you're um, offering people 30 days free. Anything else that you want to share with um, those who are listening right now? Yeah. So what I would love to share with others as we are closing is that this is not an easy journey. Your fight against pornography is not going to be easy. Fostering and adopting is not easy, but it is so worth it. Mm -hmm. So I encourage you to just be patient with yourself. Look to God for support. You know, look to Him for wisdom and discernment. And just don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. And again, this isn't easy. It probably will be one of the most painful things you've ever done in your life. But when you get to the other side of healing, you will be so grateful. It is the greatest gift you can give yourself. Trent, we're going to follow your journey. I know that God is just getting started with you. Uh, so I, I would like to invite you back uh, as, as your ministry, Watch Me Rise, progresses, as your uh, education continues. Um, let's keep in touch. And uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. I would love to stay in touch. I would love to be on future episodes as well. And just thank you for allowing me the gift to show people how God has worked in my life and allowing me to give him glory for everything he's done. Wow, what a story. Well, Trent referenced one of my favorite scriptures, Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, that verse is often quoted, and in this context, Jeremiah spoke those words to Jews who had been living under the control of the Egyptian and the Babylonian empires before eventually being carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Jeremiah was speaking to people in the middle of their hardship and their suffering. They were wanting immediate help 
But God's response was not to provide immediate help for their situation. Instead, God promised that he has a plan to prosper them in the midst of their current situation. Now, the same goes for us today, and it was also the same for Trent's situation. As terrible as it was, God was with him. Regardless of your situation, God is with you. I encourage you to reach out for help to your friends or your church family, but remain steadfast in your faith because God has a plan. Well, thank you for listening, and I hope today's conversation of Hope with Trent encouraged you that God is always there for you. Next week, we're going to be hearing another amazing story from Dr. Christopher Yuan. He will be sharing his personal life experiences about homosexuality, drugs, broken family relationships, and ultimate victory for each of those things through Jesus Christ. Until then, remember, if your life is grounded in Jesus, even in the darkest times, there is hope.